How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Hello and welcome into another edition of Boots and Baseball, episode number 60. And I throw it back and chug a stat of the week as we're with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. July 14th, 1931, the New York Yankees beat the Cleveland Indians 19-2. Four players recorded three or more hits for the Yankees, including two four-hit performances. One, a four-for-six performance from Joe Sewell, who is a 5'6", 155-pound player for the Yankees, basically the Jose Altuve at the time, also had three runs batted in. And how about Lou Gehrig with a four-for-six performance, two home runs, three driven in for him. Funny enough, if you go through the Yankees lineup in that game, the only Yankee player who had an at-bat who did not get a hit was Babe Ruth. He went 0 for 5. Wow. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. I yeah, don't at, see that too often. No, no. I I mean, that's a pretty cool stat that you brought up there. The 5 foot 6. That that took some investigating right there, Derek. I, I appreciate that one. 19 to 2. That Yankees team was obviously very impressive in 1931. Uh, but yeah, you love to see the names like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth thrown in there with the legend that is Joe Sewell. <laughs> yes, you do. What are you uh, drinking on this episode? Yeah, I, uh, you know, first of all, I want to say with episode 60, we are nine episodes away from the best episode and the nicest episode ever. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, but on this particular episode, I am drinking wine. I've not had wine in a little bit. And this is the Kendall Jackson wine. Actually, it's technically Chardonnay. Uh, it was introduced to me by one of our producers at my TV station, Courtney, and uh, it is actually really good. I've taken a little bit too many sips of this before our podcast, so I've gotten it down to like a little less than halfway, um, meaning it's really good. It's uh, I'm usually not a Chardonnay guy, but this one goes down like water, which may not be a bad thing if you ask me, if you're not a big Chardonnay person. What do you have? I'm more of a red wine guy. Uh, I like more of the, but Chardonnay is good. Um, I'm more of a, you know, the bitter than the sweet, I guess. Okay. So I am drinking a, and I say that I'm drinking something sweet tonight, which is funny. Uh, Goose Island beer. I know you've heard of that brewery. They make this lemonade shandy. They also have a strawberry lemonade shandy, which is what I have today. That sounds really good. Wow. Very good. Um, It is a wheat ale with natural strawberry and lemon flavors. It's over 4% alcohol, so you're still getting your content there. The strawberry is, is very smooth. Um, it's good. I would recommend it. 
It's a 312 area code, correct? Yes, that is correct. It is Goose Island 312 Strawberry Lemonade Shandy. I believe that area code is Chicago. Mm. Let me make sure that's correct. That is okay. Uh, if I have to compare it to a Chicago Cub, it is. Uh, hmm. Wilson Contreras, the only good one. No, because I, I wouldn't say it's that good. Like Wilson Contreras is really good. It, maybe it's Christopher Morrell. Like it's uh, okay. You know, it's it's a little unassuming. Maybe you don't you know think of it the first thing you go to the liquor store, but it gets the job done. It's versatile. It can fit into uh, a bunch of different situations. Get some steals for you. A little bit of power. You know, not going to blow was, you off the page. That was good off your toes, man. That was really impressive. Okay, Christopher <laughs> Morell it is. <laughs> okay, uh, so our season-long beer pong, again, nobody can hit two cups. You hit the Braves over the Nats. They did the sweeping, and that did. was actually the first week that you didn't call for a sweep. Funny enough. Um, but you picked the Rays over the Reds, and they got swept. So you hit one cup. I have six cups on my side. You have seven. I'll give you the re-rack into, uh, I don't know, what would that be? Three, two, one would be six cups. Um, so it's my turn. I will take Atlanta at Washington. That's a four-game set that starts on Thursday. They got Kyle Wright to lead it off. He's been a little inconsistent start to start, but overall he's been good this year. Uh, Max Fried and Spencer Strider, who has been – I mean, he just strikes out everyone. He's insane. He, he looks like Tyler Glass now. He's kind of dependent on two pitches, trying to develop a third pitch, but um, he's been really good to finish off the series. So I'll go Atlanta there. And then Houston versus Oakland. Oakland is just very, very bad. They're the worst team in baseball right now, and Houston is good. They have Justin Verlander pitching one of the games. Jose Arquiti's kind of struggled, but some of the underlying numbers suggest that maybe he should do a little bit better than that. So I'll go with Houston over uh, Oakland there. I like those. Uh, Yeah, I don't understand how we keep missing every single week, but the fact that the Rays got swept was maybe one of the most shocking things. I I did not – even remotely, I would have thrown money down saying that's impossible. So it just shows you the game of baseball. It still continues to be baseball. You, you can't predict 100% of this stuff. But that one blew me away. I did not expect that at all. Okay, on today's show, we're going to go over some notable MLB trade candidates. We're not going to get to everyone, but just some notable ones that come to mind and how it could potentially impact their fantasy value. So, you know, leaving the team, going into a different role, potential teams that – they could be added by, like, all those things could come into play here. The first is a guy that you brought up. Wilson Contreras for the Chicago Cubs is having just a phenomenal season. Uh, he's an all-star, 13 home runs on the season so far. Uh, he's got good ratios to this point in the year, uh, 266 average for him, 382 on base. He's got a 144 WRC plus with a 480 slug. He's just doing everything. Uh, I mean, he's – He's been fantastic so far. So do you view there being any change to his value if he's traded? I only see it really going up. The question is, where exactly is that going to land? Because a lot of these contending teams, for the most part, they already have decent catchers or they're pretty loaded in terms of having the depth of catching, right? And so that's the one intriguing thing about it. Um, You can kind of look top to bottom here. And it feels like every team in some way, shape, or form that is, at least at this time, a contender really doesn't have a quote-unquote need for Contreras. What I'd be curious about is if a team that maybe necessarily doesn't have a great DH particularly, right, uh, that could use some sort of catching depth. And I'm thinking of 
you know, it's unfortunate that they're rivals, but a team like the St. Louis Cardinals would be like a perfect fit in that sense. Um, obviously, you have Yadier Molina, who is not going to produce offensively the way he has. And you got Kneiser here that's, you know, very average producing as well. But, uh, you know, obviously trading Contreras within the division is probably not something you're going to see. I'm thinking the New York Mets might be a pretty decent fit, um, at least on paper to me. That seems like one that could make some sense there. Um, you know, you go across the line here, the San Francisco Giants really need to figure out what they're doing because they could be a perfect fit for Contreras, in my opinion, if they string together some wins. If he goes to the Giants, you might see his power drop off a little bit just because it's San Francisco, but I really don't see him really having any difference negatively if he goes somewhere else. To be able to produce in the lineup that the Chicago Cubs have right now, I mean, that says a lot about the player. And I think that really anywhere he goes, it's going to be a better lineup. Yeah, I, I don't really view it as impacting him in terms of the value depending on where he goes. And, and the Cubs ballpark is kind of middle of the the park, no pun intended there, uh, in terms of you know hitter or pitcher value one way or the other. So I, I don't think it completely changes that. The one thing I'm kind of keeping an eye on, and this isn't really dependent on the trade, it's that he hasn't been like ultra durable in the past. He's played 74 games. He's been really durable this season um, in his age 30 season. He played 138 games in 2018, so that's a good number when you're a catcher. But outside of that, 128 last year, uh, 117 in 2017, 105 in 2019, 76 in 2016. I don't know. Like, you hope that there's no injury or, or anything that, that would come. But um, he's certainly someone who, you know, with the – the, I, I guess there have been like maybe six or seven guys that have, have kind of separated themselves at the catcher position so far this season in fantasy. And for that alone, like, it makes him ultra valuable. But there is a part of me – like if you were in a dynasty league with him being 30 years old, unless you're contending right now, if you're just kind of middle of the pack or if you're kind of falling off, like this feels like a good time to me to uh, maybe dish him. Yeah, no doubt. He's a free agent at the end of the 2023 season. So uh, if you're in a keeper league, keep in mind that he gets traded. He's going to be with that team again for next season as well. Okay, the next player on our list is – Maybe the bell of the ball in terms of pitchers. Luis Castillo right now, again, what you mentioned with the Giants, we don't really know what they're going to do. Probably just depends how they play this next couple of weeks, figure out if they're going to hold, buy, or sell, uh, and depends on the record. But unless the Giants become sellers and Carlos Rodon's on the market, Luis Castillo is probably the biggest pitcher uh, on the market here from the Cincinnati Reds. And he has been on an absolute tear. Started the season slow, as he did last year. What we've seen with Luis Castillo, once the weather heats up, he's found more velocity. I'm sure there's some sort of correlation there for him. Um, but he's looked really good. And obviously getting out of – like if you go to Baseball Savant, they have a stat cast page for park factors. And it ranks the park factor by, you know, most hitter-friendly to most pitcher-friendly. The Reds is actually tied with the Rockies this year in terms of uh, – park factor affecting hitting the most positive way. And it actually has the biggest positive effect for home run hitters. So getting him out of there would obviously be a pretty big positive. Those home run per nine numbers are actually pretty low, 0.63 per nine. So that hasn't really been the thing bothering him. What do you think of his potential value going somewhere else? Well, one, one thing that really sticks out to me about him this year is that whip is at 1.10. And normally – 
his whip is a career 121. So he's obviously walking less players. You had mentioned Park Factor. The Reds ballpark, Great American Ballpark, is one of the hardest ballparks to pitch in. He's also not getting much run support on top of that. There, there's a lot that's basically saying that he shouldn't be having this great of success, uh, but he is because he's been so dominant. As you mentioned, uh, you look at his baseball savant, his fastball velocity is in the upper echelon, his barrel rate is up there as well. He's not getting quite as many players to chase, but that doesn't matter because he's still got a pretty high strikeout percentage here. Um, and uh, I, I think overall you had kind of nailed it right there. I mean, he's the guy that you want. Um, if you're a contender that needs a starting pitcher. And I, I think based on value, future, and current, I mean, he's going to be a free agent here, uh, you know, moving forward in 2024. So I'm curious to see what happens to him. Um, it's going to be kind of a, does he go to LA? Does he go to San Francisco where are there are pitchers parks here? Or is he going to find himself somehow in a really high competing division? You know, an interesting match would be the Minnesota twins. Not a lot of people are talking about that, but they're in first place. They probably need another starter, a frontline guy. If he goes to Minnesota, I mean, he's been pitching in the central division in the national league, but going to the American league central would be interesting because it's pretty weak division offensively the dude would just roll through there. Um, so I'm curious to see if the twins make any sort of major move at the deadline, if they could sneak in there. I don't think they end up with him. I think he's probably going to go to an East or West coast team, uh, but something to keep in mind there. That, that would be a kind of an interesting fit. Yeah. I, the one thing that worries me with the twins is if there is a relation between the heating up weather, which he's shown over the past couple of years, like Minnesota gets cold once it starts turning over to, uh, you know, September and everything like that. But the biggest gain he can have is just wins and losses, honestly. He goes 8-16 and 16 last year despite having a 3.98 ERA, and he was really chugging in the second half too. And he's 3-4 and four right now with a 2.92 ERA. So just going to a winning team is going to help that, and certainly his value will go up when he's traded. The amount it will go up just kind of depends uh, where he ends up. Andrew Benintendi is on the trade market. And this one took a little bit of an extra twist today. Um, the Kansas City Royals are without 10 players in Toronto who are unvaccinated. You have to be vaccinated to play in Toronto. And the reason that's of note, Andrew Benintendi is one of those. Uh, we've seen a lot of AL East teams, whether it's been the Yankees, the Blue Jays being as teams that have reportedly been interested in Andrew Benintendi. I can't help but think that, you know, maybe they'd still be interested in, in picking him up, but it's got to be a lot harder because you might have a series or two in Toronto over the back half of the season. And who knows if you're potentially just an American league team in general, like if you have to play Toronto in the playoffs and you don't have this guy that you just traded some good prospects for, for that playoff series or, or whatever the amount of games that you're playing in Toronto, that's a problem um, that, you know, it's not that it eliminates those teams from trading for him, but it could lower the price they'd be willing to pay, which in theory would tell me that the Royals might get a better price from a National League team or whatnot. I don't know. What do you think of Andrew Benintendi's uh, fantasy stock as far as the trade market goes? Yeah, it is interesting to monitor that. And I think that it's something that you have to be aware of with really any player that's unvaccinated right now going to Toronto. Um, that is going to be a challenge uh, for sure. 
you know, you kind of have to imagine that maybe the player will have to swallow the pill and literally get the shot in order to go. But that that's up to the player. Like, we can't tell them what to do. But um, Ben Attendee's had a real breakout year. He's on pace right now to go to near 200 hits on the season. Um, remember, at one point, he was a top prospect, and he just fell off the face of the earth when he started struggling uh, towards the last couple seasons here. But he's really picked up back where he left off. He doesn't offer a ton of pop. But the on-base percentage at 384, I think, is pretty great. He's also in a terrible lineup. And so if he gets a chance to be traded to a lineup where there's pieces around him, I think he's going to score a lot more runs. That will give him a lot more value there. Uh, I don't expect the power to really show up and any differently. I mean, the ball flies okay in Kansas City. Uh, it's not like that's going to be a massive jump. If he's not going to cores, right? So um, I think for any of the teams that have been looking at him, it's not going to be significant in that sense. But it's kind of the same thing as what I said with Contreras. I just don't see how the value goes down if he goes to a lineup that's better. The only thing I'd be interested by is, depending on the team that he plays for, where exactly does he hit in the lineup? Because right now in Kansas City's lineup, he's sitting in the top three. Well, maybe there's a lineup where they decide, hey, we want you to be our seventh, eighth, or ninth hitter. You know, And so that's less at-bats, less chances to be driven in. So that is the knock of maybe he doesn't actually score as many runs if he goes to a better team. It's hard to say. Um, I think that it's important that we do take note of the fact that Toronto was a team that's interested, is a team that's interested. Does he get vaccinated? We don't know. So it is definitely a, a fluid situation there. I think his value, though, overall, if it doesn't go up, it stays very much neutral, which is a good thing right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If he gets, you know, launched down in the lineup, that certainly hurts a guy who his main value right now is being a contact hitter, an average hitter, accumulating totals. Uh, so that would tell me it would hurt it. Um, I, I guess it depends where he goes. This is one where it's very dependent because of those home runs. The Royals ballpark actually has been okay in terms of being a hitter's park so far this year. It's, it's above average. But in terms of just home runs specifically – it is 28th of the 30 ballparks in, you know, suppressing home runs, or I guess it would make it third, depending on how you view that. Um, one team who would be really interesting to me, the Philadelphia Phillies. That is one of the best ballparks for hitting home runs specifically. And if, you know, he's not going to be a big home run hitter, but if he gets back to the pace of what we saw in some other years, 2016, 13, 17 home runs in some other seasons, more to that pace than only three that he has now, then maybe that balances out enough. But what scares me is that, He's got a 363 BABIP. He's not a guy who typically like rips the baseball. Um, his career average is 324 for BABIP. So I think you could just see a little bit of a decline. That's a combination of maybe not hitting as high in the lineup and maybe just a second half decline that was coming anyway. Uh, the next guy on the list here is Frankie Montas, who's injured right now. And it really bothers me in fantasy because he hasn't pitched in two weeks and he's not supposed to pitch the rest of this week. But they refuse to put him on the IL to save me a roster spot. Uh, what do you think about Frankie Montas as far as fantasy value in a possible trade? Well, the beauty is that even though he's not uh, currently starting technically on your roster right now and not an IL spot, you know, his baseball savant page, it's still littered in red. So that's kind of cool. That can't go down right now. Um, <laughs> and I don't really – I don't expect it to. I mean, his chase rate is nearly what Luis Castillo's was too. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's comparable to what Castillo is currently putting out there. Um, you know, Montas is 29 years old. Uh, he's six foot two. He – 
commands the zone very well. He throws his fastball incredibly well. He's nearly popping at, you know, 96, 97 miles per hour every time he's on the hill. I, I mean, he's going to offer great value, similar to what you see from Castillo, no matter where he goes. And the one thing that scares me, okay, there's one thing that does scare me about him. It's that he's in a ballpark where the ball just simply doesn't fly. So that part is a little scary because with some of the teams that he's been rumored to go to, those ballparks, the ball flies a little bit. I'm thinking Boston. You know, if he goes to a place like Boston, holy cow, that is a scary spot for Montas to go. So I'm a little concerned about that. Um, When you look at where his numbers are this year versus his career, which has been – really pretty solid across the board. They're consistent. Uh, the ex- expected batting average is basically the exact same as what it's been the past few years. It's basically within a couple decimal points here. I mean, it, it is pretty dang close. Same for uh, weighted on base percentage allowed. Uh, all that stuff is still kind of the same. Max exit velocity is dropped off against him, so that's a nice sign too. Uh, the exit velocity hovers around you know 88.6 miles per hour, which is nice. So you know, I, I think with the expected ERA of three three four, that's pretty convincing to me that, you know, he's a guy that is going to continue to show out the way that he has in past seasons. Last year his expected ERA was three nine eight. So you can make an argument he looks better this year. Uh, he's just gotta stay healthy. And if you're owning him right now, you're probably going through that gauntlet of, okay, he's hurt right now, but uh, you're just kind of waiting it out. And I think for the most part, it's going to improve him at least from the wins total. Um, I do worry just a tad bit about which ballpark he ends up in, though. Yeah, the ballpark definitely scares you. And it's it's not just that the ball doesn't fly there, but the A's, they have so much room in the foul ground that it makes for more pop-ups. Uh, the thing that, that could help him here is that he was so good in the second half last year that there's the track record there. 2-170 RA over the course of the second half last year. Opponents hit just 199 against him there. I'm just very high on Frankie Montas in general. I think that he's being slept on because he is on the A's and you don't devote a lot of time to, you know, thinking about them or watching them. He's three and nine. Like that, that's stupid for a guy with a 3.26 ERA. So yes, I, I do agree. Like the ERA, if you're looking for, you know, you need help in ERA or whip or something, then yes, maybe sell high on Frankie Montas as opposed to before he goes to like Boston, like you mentioned. But if you're comfortable with the ERA, maybe going up a little more to, you know, maybe closer to three five, three six, three seven, um, with solid strikeout numbers, but more opportunities at wins. I think that can be kind of a win win. So it just kind of depends what categories you need. I would say for that one. Okay, uh, next guy is Josh Bell, who has been putting up unbelievable numbers right now. Very underappreciated, I think, in fantasy just to begin with. Uh, what do you think a possible trade could do to his value? Yeah, I mean, I've been for the most part. I've not been much of a Josh Bell believer until this year. Uh, When I started seeing what he was doing in a lineup that just quite frankly is not good uh, and continuing to put up numbers that were similar to that of his career, which his career average is 266. He's hitting a peak of 298 right now on base percentage 380. His career is 352. So, you know, he gets on base a lot. And he just really has never been in a lineup where it's built around him, right? He was in Pittsburgh. Uh, There was not much of a solid lineup around him there. He goes to Washington where Juan Soto's having, you could say, a down year in his career. Um, Nelson Cruz has done nothing around him, and there's nobody else in that lineup. So it's been the Josh Bell show. He's going to go to a team – I've been mentioning Boston in almost every one of these players because I feel like Boston's going to be a player for somebody here. Um, he would be a great fit in Fenway. And my gosh, if he goes to Fenway, 
with the pop that he has from the left-handed side, you, I mean, he's shown he's got some power this year, right? Like, he has had 12 home runs. I think if he goes to a place like Boston, expect his total number to be 30 to 35 home runs by the end of the year. I mean, you saw the Kyle Schwarber effect. Uh, it's not quite as significant in that department power-wise, but, I mean, his baseball savant is just loaded. His expected batting average at 94th percentile. His K rate is incredible in the 92nd percentile. Max, max exit velocity is 84th. Um, his outs above average, it's at 63, and he's already at a high average. So we're talking about a guy where really his only weakness is sprint speed, and he doesn't quite barrel up everything, but he still barrels it up well enough to get on base, and he spreads the ball out very well too. If you look at his spray chart, I mean, he can kind of spread it across the board. Um, just even analyzing it from what we've seen this year at D.C., most of those hits that he's had at the warning track are gone, you know, at the Fenway Park. So um, I'm kind of rooting as a Josh Bell owner in a fantasy league. I'm rooting that Boston goes out and makes a move for him. Um, I know there's a few other teams out there that'll, that have shown some interest too, but I know Boston's the main one. And my gosh, if he goes there, the value skyrockets. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. He's just had like random years where he can't hit home runs. Like 2018, he had 12. 2020, he had eight. And then he has other years where it's like 26 in 2017, 37 in 2019, 27 last year. And, and like you said, he's, he's putting up big numbers this year. The K rate is so low, under 14%. He, he's awesome. And the thing you don't have to worry about with Josh Bell because he's a switch hitter, you don't have to worry about him going to a new place and them being like, hey, you're just going to platoon against this guy. And I think that's very important that – I certainly wouldn't drop his value based on where he goes. Uh, I think it either stays the same or it goes up. Uh, the next guy on the list, another pitcher from the Cincinnati Reds, that would be Tyler Malley. Yeah, I have a hard time with this one because Malley has been kind of an inconsistent piece this year. Um, with that in mind, holy cow, I'm sure he'd be thrilled to leave Cincinnati. Uh, and we've seen Malley at his best. We've seen him at his worst. I think that there's going to be a team out there that's going to have a need for him. Um, you know, he's still got a K rate that's pretty high. He's currently injured. So that's one concern. He's got a shoulder injury and that's never a positive, but he's expected to return to the rotation right after the all-star break. So that is a positive sign. And uh, I expect him to actually do that instead of being traded before, you know, coming back. Um, but he's 27 years old. He's got a lot of youth there. And recently, I mean, you can make an argument. He's been one of the more consistent pitchers over the last month. Uh, you have quality start, no quality start, quality start, no quality start, and then a string of four consecutive quality starts. So, you know, he's a guy that's topped out against bad teams. Arizona helped inflate his numbers a little bit. Um, but he went up against the Dodgers, struggled against them, went up against the Giants, looked okay against them. Atlanta, he was okay against them. Like, I don't think he's going to provide great value, but I think he provides back-end value. Um, it, it's going to be better leaving Cincinnati, but I don't know how much it's going to really matter. I, I, I've just not been a huge buyer on Tyler Malley, and so – it's hard for me to say if he goes to a different team, maybe pitching coaches make adjustments for him. That might be the biggest thing is the real life value behind him. Like he's got great stuff. He, he, he does. He's got put out stuff. It's just, he's got to learn to let less guys on base. That's, that's been the bane of his existence this year. And, um, but there's still something there. So maybe a move of just going to a team with a better pitching coach might help. Yeah. I, I just look at the splits last year. He had a 2.3 ERA on the road. Um, this year he has a 3.83 ERA on the road, but opponents are hitting just 189 against him in road games. And 
you know, getting away from home and that, that hitters ballpark, I, I would very much be buying Tyler Malley right now. Now, if he goes to Boston or, or something, then how much does that really help? Maybe not. Uh, but, I mean, if he ends up in the right situation, you know, if he goes to, like, a Dodgers or something like that, I would be all about that because then he's getting wins and the ERA drops down. Um, to what level? Like, no, he shouldn't be your, your second best um, you know, starting pitcher on your fantasy roster or something like that. But if you have him on your roster at that point, you get straight into the, yeah, again, like the Dodgers or the Padres or something like that's clearly good. Uh, how about one more Cincinnati red Brandon Drury who's played all across the field for the Cincinnati reds. What are your thoughts on his trade value? First of all, I'm bummed because I didn't buy that his start of the year where he was just launching balls left and right. I didn't buy that. That was real. Uh, jokes on me. It's definitely real. Uh, 276 average, 18 bombs, 18 doubles, uh, his RBI count at 50, despite being in a very average lineup. I mean, the value that you get at second base, third base now field is great from him. I'm going to say this though, he is going to get traded and it's going to suck for his fantasy value. It is going to suck because he's going to leave a ballpark where the ball flies He's going to leave a comfortable situation where there's no pressure on him. Take the real world aspect. There's going to be pressure on him wherever he's traded to. It sounds like it might be the Dodgers. It might be the Giants. That's going to be rough either way. He goes to LA. He may be actually platooned. He goes to the Giants. He's going to struggle with the ball not flying as much. So that's tough. And then on top of that, you know, he's kind of been an under the radar guy because he was in Arizona when they were a playoff team. And he didn't really produce at that high of a level. And that's why, you know, you kind of saw him fall off the face of the earth for a little bit. So if he gets put back into the face of the league where he's going to be expected to, you know, produce at a high level consistently, that concerns me a little bit. And I think you have to take the real world aspect, match that with the fact that he's at a ballpark where the ball flies. I don't know. I'm, I'm a slightly a little bit concerned about Drury. And, uh, you know, considering he hasn't done this consistently over the course of his career, I think there are some players that adjust to change well, and then there's some players that just don't know how to adjust to change, and that's going to maybe be him because he, he you know, hasn't really been a feature piece ever. So that, I think, is something to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I agree. It's been a great first half for him. If you've had him, like he's, he's provided you great value. There's always players that drop off a bit over the course of the second half of the season who have great first halves. Like I just think of Adelise Garcia – last season um there's even players who you know they have a great first half and then they get traded and they fall off like to give adam frazier last year is hitting over 300 and then he's hitting like 230 with uh the padres once he gets traded over i think that'll be the case for brandon drury combination of the park combination of i think he's just due to kind of drop back down from where he was um he's had three other seasons with even more than 100 plate appearances wrc plus 102 92 66 in those years over his career, 91 WRC plus. He's closer to a league average hitter. Right now, he's you know basically putting up like all-star numbers. I think that it's just going to be kind of a big drop-off. Okay, we're running out of time here, so I'm going to combine these into one. David Bednar or Daniel Bard, who would you be buying more into right now based on a possible trade for either of those guys? Well, I think that Bard is more likely to get dealt, even though the Colorado Rockies never seem to understand how to run a franchise. Um, <laughs> I, I think that Bard will eventually be traded, considering he's old, right? He's on the older end. Um, and he's going to command less to acquire. Uh, man, how many times have I said Boston in this dang episode? I swear. Boston's a perfect fit for him. They need a closer. 
he would be a great fit in the back end. He's already been in that bullpen. He's been familiar with that team before. I think he would be a great fit there. And I think if you own Daniel Bard, it's awesome because he doesn't have to pitch at course. I mean, how cool is that? And he's pitched pretty dang well at course too. So I, you know, I think that that would be probably the better one. David Bednar has been put in less crazy situations in a ballpark where the ball doesn't necessarily fly in a division where the batting is not necessarily great, where there's teams that score a lot less. I think he's got a great situation in Pittsburgh, to be honest. And I don't know, Bednar kind of scares me a little bit. If he goes to a team like the Dodgers or a team that, um, like Boston that, you know, you're going to see the ballpark change a little bit for him and maybe not necessarily in his favor. And also teams that score a little bit more, uh, because right now the pirates, they're not great, but they're also, when they win games, they're winning close contests. And so that's something to keep in mind is that Bednar is getting actually a decent amount of opportunities. Um, and so that's my one concern is I, I think that he's going to command a lot more. There's going to be a lot more pressure in the real life situation. I don't know. Like from a fantasy side, I think the Bard's potential rise of value is, is much higher. I feel like Bard though has, has less of a chance of being the closer where he goes. Fair. It kind of depends fair. what you're looking for, right? Fair. If you're looking to get saves, Bednar feels a little safer there. And, sure. and there's no guarantee even Bednar uh, remains the closer too. Like if you go to a team like the Yankees, they're still going to be rolling out like Clay Holmes and stuff like that. But if you go to the Red Sox, I think Bednar has a better chance to close, whereas Bard, maybe you view him in the eighth inning guy, and then you have Tanner Houck to go in the ninth or, or whatever it is. Um, so from that standpoint, if you need saves, I'm going Bednar. But I do agree, if you're just going based off like skills or maybe you're in a holds league where you have the uh, possible fallback of worst case, if I don't get saves, I get holds, I think I would lean Daniel Bard as well just because of, the drop-off from, from being in Coors Field. Okay, quick uh, shotgun six-pack here. True or false, the New York Yankees are having the greatest first half of an MLB team season ever. Uh, I would say false um, because I know that there's teams that have had better starts than this. And you just go to recency, too. I remember the Dodgers in 2017 had a ridiculous start to their season, and uh, they even had that really – rough patch in the second half of the year and still found a way to win over 100 games so I'm going to say false even though this team has been pretty unbelievable so the Red Sox in 2018 or maybe it was 2017 they were 66 and 29 at the break which set the record for the most wins in the first half Yankees would have to go five and three their next eight just to tie that which is very much a possibility the way they play obviously six and two to to break that I think it's a real argument because if you think about how close they are to that number and then you add to the fact that look at the AL East. You have everyone in the division is 500 or better. Pretty the Orioles, Blue Jays, Red yeah. Sox, Rays. It is just an insane division. I would kind of make that argument right now. Okay, uh, true or false, the Michael A. Taylor situation, which he came in, they were getting blown out, and for some reason, even though Michael A. Taylor is a big trade chip for the Royals, they decided to say, hey, let's pitch Michael A. Taylor. And since he pitched, he was throwing like 94, he hasn't played. He's missed like every game, and now it's reported he has a sore shoulder. True or false, that is the most Royals thing ever. Uh, true, it is. It, it kind of reminds me of for the Colorado Rockies when Clint Barnes walked down a stair with, stairs with a uh, plate of hot bacon, and <laughs> he got injured from that. It's the same idea. It's like – the Royals just don't know how to manage their players that well at all. The, the whole Pasquitano thing has been ridiculous. The fact they haven't called it Prado is ridiculous. It's just I, I don't understand this team. This organization makes me want to blow my brains out. 
Agreed. Uh, who is the biggest all-star snub, number three? Oof, that is a good one. I, I, at one point, I would have said Carlos Ordon, but luckily he's now on the roster for the National League. Um, I could have some recency bi- or some bias in general here and say Will Smith might be the biggest one because I think he's better by every facet of the game than what you've seen from Darno. Uh, I will say that that's my pick, Will Smith. I'll go Dylan Cease. He leads the league in uh, game started in strikeouts in K per nine. He uh, is a 2-3 ERA. He's been great. I don't know. Like, I love Nestor Cortez. Great story. But every metric you look along, Dylan sees just better than Nestor Cortez. Uh, number four. With Will Smith, too, because um, mm-hmm. it was just a slap to the face, to be honest, that he didn't. Ah, nah. I hate you. Number four. <laughs> do you like that rule that requires a representative from every team? Hate it. It's terrible. Why the heck is Mantiply on the NL? No idea. <laughs> I don't like it either. We don't have this in any other sport. Let's just get the best players out there. Number five, Asturi Ruiz gets called up finally from the Padres. He's a top blank fantasy player the rest of the season. Oof, this is tough. I'm just going to say top 150 to be safe. I think he's going to offer steals. The average may not be high initially. Um, I, I do think he's going to offer great value, at least in the steals and runs category. Roto, I'll say 150. Deeper leagues, I'll say 200. Because, yeah, the average might not be there. But, like, guys like Tyro Estrada are in the top 200. True or false, they should do the All-Star game in a neutral site, like the Field of Dreams, College World Series, wherever you want to put it, as opposed to having a host. True, 100%. The Field of Dreams All-Star game would literally be something I'd want to watch. You know, I, I, the Field of Dreams game is probably the coolest game I've ever seen. Yeah, make that an all-star game, man. Bring it to Iowa. I, I don't know if I'd want it as much in Omaha, but that would be – I think that's more of a college atmosphere. Um, you know, to replicate that in the MLB would be kind of different, I think. But to have the field of dreams, holy cow, I'd be all in. I might make a trip out there. <laughs> I, I would love it as well. It'd be cool. But it cools all those, like, thousands of MLB fans in this small Iowa town or something like that. That is this edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll see you next time.